0: because it's covering my screen, Uh, just to mention that Heather's asking if all those who are involved in kids' work um, could see her at the front um, at the end this morning. That would be wonderful, brilliant, and just downright marvelous. Thank you. 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16, scripture that we had mentioned last week says this, that all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. My heart for you as your pastor, my heart for you as the leader of this church is, is that you would be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And we need to be thoroughly equipped in terrible times writes to Timothy and in the start of 2 Ch- Timothy chapter 3, he outlines the background of things that have been going on in the, in the society, in the city of probably Ephesus where, where, where Timothy was, of things that had been happening and of things that had been occurring. And in 2 Timothy chapter 3 in verse 1, let's read a few verses there. He says, but mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to your parents, we'll get the kids back in, they need to hear this, (laughs) disobedient to their parents, there are going to be some adults that are going to be, oh I'm going to get them down in front of the live stream recording later on and let them hear this. You know, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power. Have nothing to do with them. Mm -hmm. Paul paints a really dark and bleak picture, doesn't he? But it's a picture that if we were to be looking at some of the things in in our life, in our world, in our city, we'd be saying, that's not too far off the truth. In fact, we might actually be saying, that's slap bang on the money. So how do we have nothing to do with them, but yet be so involved that we would shine God's light and bring his word and bring his truth into the middle of their darkness? Imagine a world where nobody helps you in life, from birth, infancy, up to youth. You know, if you make it to adulthood, you really are on your own. It's been survival of the fittest even from getting past day one. It's a dystopian world of no help, of no support, of no instruction or wisdom for today, tomorrow, or indeed the next day make it that far that is from the most basic of needs to the intricate of instruction a sense of having to work it out for yourself from a baby needing fed I almost gets the picture in my mind of a baby lying beside a mother where there could be you know food and warmth and and, and, and sucker and all those things like that and not knowing what to do and the mom not even showing what needs to be happening A baby needing change from all those things to to where am I going? Who will I be? What will I do? Imagine a world like that. Imagine a world where nobody says no to you or no, depending on where you come from. What you want is what you get. Oh, and by the way, in your head, you're always right. Imagine a world of selfish demands, my way only, spoiled behavior, delusional aspirations uh, and the manipulation of others to get just what you want. Most importantly in this world, there is absolutely no contentment. For all you've got, you'll always want more and you'll never be satisfied despite what is in front of you and despite what you can get your little paws on. You will always want more. Imagine a world where nobody says yes to you. No loving affirmation, no support, no encouragement to keep on keeping on, to keep on going, you're going to get there, no cheerleading, nobody celebrating you at any time. There are no positive comments that recognizes the journey, where you've come from, what you've achieved and what you're going to do, and even that it's the right thing to keep on pursuing. And now those are figmented parts of the world, but for many of us, we've experienced some of that, some of those emotions, we've experienced moments, or sometimes we've Put ourselves in those positions, or other people have put, ourse- put us and caused us to find ourselves in those environments where nobody helps you, where nobody says no to you, or nobody says yes to you with that measure of balance. Truth is that those moments, those times are not easy. They're not comfortable, and they're certainly not satisfying. It is lonely, it is scary, it is empty. And in a similar kind of backdrop, Timothy is, receives a letter from Paul, and, and he, he presents this world that is in such a catastrophic mess, that is out for itself and nobody else, for a society that did not care who it clambered over to get to where that person wanted, where everything went except the things of God. And Paul gives some solutions to a son in the faith, to a son and a leader in the church that he loves. And against this backdrop, he writes to a city of Ephesus whom he loves. And he brings a revelation of the God whom Paul loves, but who loves Paul, who loves the church in Ephesus, who loves Timothy, who loves the city, and who loves the world. And the solution that Paul brings under the anointing and the inspiration of the Holy Spirit is the Old Testament. And the Old Testament for us and also the New Testament that focus on and that reveals the nature, the character, the identity of who God is. That centers and zones in on the salvation and the rescue plan of the creator for his creation. And that comes and centers on the hope that is found in the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. That we've just celebrated through his death and resurrection at communion. The coming of Messiah. Of his sacrificial and of his atoning Death on the cross of his resurrection from the dead. Come on, church, you can begin to get a little bit excited. Maybe we amen, or a, that's it, preach it, something like that. You know, that Jesus, the resurrection from the dead, the birth of the church into the grace and the power of the Holy Spirit and of Jesus' ultimate return, because he has won and we win with him. And Paul writes to Timothy of pound for you later. Uh, Paul writes to Timothy and he says, the word of God is a solution. The word of God for the filth and for the mess and the the catastrophe that is the world and society and for all the good that they're trying to make of the mess. The answer and the solution is the word of God because when you rest in the word of God, when you build your life in the word of God, when you speak his truth. through our lives there is another way that is seen, that is shown that is demonstrated to a needy and to a hurting world that does not know some folks do not follow because they do not know they have not heard their eye has not seen their mind has not perceived how good God is or the plans that he's got in store for them but Paul writes a Christian who's struggling, he writes to a leader in the church that's going through a hard time, he writes to a pastor who might just be asking the question, what on earth am I doing here? Now I've been a pastor for 20 years, I think I can count on one hand, one hand and maybe one finger, the number of times in 20 years of ministry I've thought, what on earth am I doing here? And at least five of them were elsewhere. (laughs) (laughs) But the other one was this week. Wait till I tell you. No, no. no. (laughs) I am good. I am good. But I wonder what had really gone on in Timothy's life that caused him to need to be reminded of the source of Scripture that is God-breathed and inspired. And also the scope of Scripture to teach, to rebuke, to correct and to train. Now that's where it becomes a little bit ouch for us, isn't it? You know, we love that notion, we love that, yeah, the word of God is the answer, yeah, the word of God is truth, yeah, the word of God is the solution, yeah, the word of God wants to work in who, me? The word of God wants to change me, oh, that's okay, God, for the stuff that that we can agree on isn't good and isn't right. But, Father in heaven, what do you mean there's stuff that you think isn't right and that I actually think is all right? Who's going to win? Whose way is going to overcome? How are we going to make sure that the stuff that God says no to and isn't good and isn't right and isn't God-honoring to him, you know, and the things that we think is right, but is actually we're judging it by the world's standards, by the standards of, of verses 2 down to, you know, well, before we get to verse 15 and 16, which isn't going to help us, and at the very least is going to be the thin end of the wedge that would want to take us away from the things of God and God's best. Now do we all understand what all means? Does all mean fifty percent? Does all mean seventy percent? Does all mean eighty percent? Does all mean ninety percent? Does all mean ninety-five percent? Does all mean ninety nine point nine 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 nine? Whether we what does it say in We point over the top of it percent. No. Does it mean a hundred percent? All means all and all Scripture is God-breathed. God-breathed, remind us, the Hebrew word is ruach, the very breath of God that brought life into Adam. You can read about it in Genesis chapter 2 and verse 7. It's that same word there that's that's used of the action of God, the breath of God, the breath of life, the breath of heaven that brought life to a valley of dry bones in in the book of Ezekiel, chapter 37, verses 9 to 10. When Jesus, in John chapter 10 and 10, after unmasking a thief that wants to steal, kill, and destroy, oh, and he steal, kills, and destroys through people being lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, and so on. After he unmasks the thief that wants to come and steal, kill, and destroy, Jesus uses the word zoe, which is the Greek equivalent of the word ruach, when he came and said, I've come that you may have abundant life, and life in all of its fullness. And this life-inspiring, God-breathed word of God wants to come into your life with solutions for your situations and solutions for the world's problems too. It's the only way for us to get to know Jesus. It's the only way for us to get to know God His Father, to get to know his ways, to get to know his plan for the world and specifically for me. And as I uncover it for me, I find that my life influences Jazzy L's, it influences Alvin's who then begins to influence Malcolm's and Robin's and Louise's and JJ's and Sidney's and Al's and loads of other people. Think of how many others that your life bounces off. In every single opportunity, in every single moment of every day, you've got an opportunity to bring and live according to the word of God. His truth, his word, his life. To bring that God influence into the mess and chaos of people's situations. I am grateful that my parents taught me how to wash, dress and take care of myself. Some of you aren't so sure. I'm also grateful that I have gained such a level of proficiency in it that I still don't need their help especially when my daddy's been with Jesus for about 12 years. I am grateful to the teachers who passed on their factual knowledge to help develop passion and interest in my life. I am grateful to those people who said to me, don't, don't be daft, although it comes very easy. Don't be stupid and don't do that again. Now, mostly it was against a backdrop of, of, of not thought through choices of selfish behaviour, of running with the crowd, hello, amongst friends, which is called compromise, or doing things with the potential to hurt me and to hurt others because it's not according to God's will and God's way. Their don'ts became an enabling factor in directing my attention to a positive do. Their don't into my life enabled a Do. Even when at times, if I'm being honest, I thought I knew better than them. I am grateful to coaches, to supervisors, to mentors, to friends who have shown me a better way to develop, hone and refine my skills and talents in many areas. And some of you are saying, oh, I wish they would work harder (laughs) and I wish they would work better on them. I am grateful for people who have taken faith risks and given me so much opportunity to do it And to do it again and again and again until I know what it is and I can do it to the very best of my ability. See, what I've just described as teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in the natural. How much more when every area of our life is actually spiritual? How much more might the word of God want to come and to rest on our lives, that our lives might be built on that word that would introduce us to more of God's character, nature, and God's ways, that would enable us to to begin to be changed from glory into glory. And in the middle of it all, can we learn to trust and to love and to rest in that relationship with the God who has first loved us? Remember how I described resting earlier on? Kicking back. Can can we, you know, can we in the sofa of our our hearts, our heads, and our lives, can we kick back when all Scripture is God-breathed? Can we kick back and relax and rest, knowing that it's useful in my life? God, the Scripture is going to be used for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Why? So that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Can I rest? In what God wants to do in my life in order that I'm going to be equipped in life and for life in order to, to influence others and to order to ca- carry the kingdom wherever I might go. Father God has a positive purpose in you proactively pursuing Scripture. Let me say that again. Father God has a positive purpose in you proactively pursuing Scripture. Now, you might not appreciate that 100% when Father God says it's time to get to the gym and do some training. Yeah? When it's time to get up early and go for the equivalent of a two-mile jog. When you need to lay that thing aside because you need to get to the swimming pool and and do a few more lengths to get yourself a wee bit fitter, as the Lord speaks to me. Uh, To lay aside that thing in order to focus. Can we do that? Can we trust that Father God has got a positive purpose in you proactively pursuing scripture? When we don't see it, we know that it's going to be for our good because it's going to enable us to be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And even just this morning, it dropped into my head that when, when, when British troops were, were sent to, to, I think it was Iraq, that within the first six months, there was a massive outcry. I don't know if you remember it at the time because they didn't have the right boots. They didn't have the right uniforms and they didn't have the right guns. They didn't have the right um, vehicles to be able to cope with the elements and to be able to cope with the, you know, the, the war zone that they were in, the theater of conflict that they were in. God's solution to enable us to be thoroughly equipped is the word of God. There is no shortcut, there is no bypass, there's no duking round the back and round the next way to try and get get in ahead of the crowd. His answer to enable us to be thoroughly equipped for the battle and for the opportunities that life will throw at us is the word of God. If the inspiration is divine and the invitation is devotion, Then the instruction is directive and the intention is discipleship. Let me break that down. If the inspiration is divine, it comes from heaven. Right from the heart of the Father. Through the action and through the unction of the Holy Spirit. inspiring the writers down through the years, through the, the centuries, and, and with their different backgrounds and talents, from the educated to the uneducated, from royalty to shepherds and all points in between, then, then the inspiration is divine, and the invitation is to devotion. It's all about our heart, our heart connecting with the heart of the Father, that, that we begin to reveal that Lord God Almighty, creation points to the Creator, and we can get to know the Creator as Father. The Father who loves us. The Father who's made a way for us to be restored in our relationship with him. Then the instruction is directive. The word of God in our head and then into our hearts. That teaches us this is the way, walk in it. Live according to his word, live according to his ways. You know, he said to the, the, the Jewish nation back in the Old Testament, they were to write it on their door doorposts and on their gate, gate frame, um, gateposts too, that they were to, to strap the word of God almost to their to their arms and to their heads, that it would be so present on them, that they would be thinking constantly about the word of God and about the God that we would be hiding his word in our heart, that we might not sin against it. And we've looked at some of those uh, things in the last couple of weeks in this series on your words. But the instruction is directive. It's into our head so that we say, this is God's way, I'm going to do it. This is going to bring a smile to the face of God, so so I'm going to be involved in it. This isn't pleasing to God's word, so I'm not going to do it. The Bible says not to be involved in this, so therefore I cut it off, I reject it, I remove it from my life. With God's help, to enable me to live and create that space in my life, holy to live for Him, holy W H, and holy H O L Y, given for His purpose and given for His plan, because the intention is discipleship. It's what you do with your hand, and in whose hand you've placed your own. There is no better, there is no safer place than to put your hand in the nail-pierced hand of the Saviour. There is no better thing to do than to turn your hand to the things of God. And the things that is re- can be really easy, it can be saying, hello, God bless you, are you okay to somebody? How can I help you? Have you ever thought about it? It can be as easy as that. It can be as challenging as sitting down and, and dismantling um, people's, years of people's heart and years of people's same time so the inspiration is divine the invitation is to devotion the instruction is directive and the intention is discipleship or let me put it just another way this book here is the roadmap or the sat nav to your heavenly destination it is the coach's playbook for every situation in life It is the architect's blueprint for building well. It is the professor's library for learning. And it is the lover's treasure box of love letters, of reminders of a sweet embrace and of a passionate heart that is towards you. God loves you. In fact, the Bible says, for God so loved the world that he sent his... Come on. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life it is good news church and it comes through scripture it comes through introduction and awareness of the son it's the action of the holy spirit father son and holy spirit conspiring through his word to bring you to a place of maturity of completion of being thoroughly equipped to be a man of god open bracket women of god close bracket all generic in here I think Timothy had become bogged down. I think Timothy had got a little bit jaded, potentially facing some opposition from the outside and having compromise from within and probably a challenge of his own convictions in his own head and in his own heart. In those pressure cooker moments, how would he react? In fact, he was ha- probably having one of those what's the point moments that all leaders have at different times. And against this backdrop of godlessness, Timothy was forgetting a few um, just important things. He was forgetting, number one, the integrity of the teacher. The man and the message are so important from God to the man of God into our hearts. Praise God for those godly people who in in those moments would come alongside and say, hey, what's going on? Who would lift us up sometimes by the hand, sometimes if we're being honest, by the scruff of the neck. And sometimes by putting their, their, their size nine in their backside and saying, come on, you need to do better. You know better. You know what the word of God says. All of them are equally effective depending on the person, the character, in order to maximize the opportunity for the things of God. I praise God that Paul wrote to Timothy in verse 10 and verse 14, giving him a you however moment. Giving him a, a, a moment where, where he said for him, as for you. Yeah. Praise God for those moments. He's painted a dire picture. He's painted a grisly scene. He's painted the reality of, of, of Timothy's life perhaps and all the things that's going on. But then he says, but you, however, mm-hmm. says that may be as it is, but that doesn't need to be how it is for you. All this is going on, he says, as for you. So the Lord speaking to him. Going through some stuff, dealing with some things. all the heavens been unleashed, all the hell's up being unleashed against and you want all the heaven to come and rescue you. But you, however, as for you. Praise God for men and women of God who will come alongside us in those moments. You see, the word enables you to live to a different standard. Verse 14 as, as Paul writes there, it asks us the question: what are you convinced of? He says in verse 14, but as for you, continue in what you have learned, been passed on from generations and the input that's there, and of what you have become convinced of, because you know it and you know from those of whom you've learned it from. So let me ask you, what are you convinced of when it comes to the things of God? Because that's what you need to build your life on. And if you, in a moment of honesty, are putting your hand up and saying, I'm not convinced of much, can I urge you to get into this deeper? Can I urge you to prioritize this because it will give you some convictions of a good kind. It will give you some convictions of your heart. It's the integrity of the teacher. It's the investment in children. I want to put that shout out as we we regularly do. We, We need to be childlike in faith, but we need to be passing it on to future generations. If you don't want our children to grow up away from the things of God, you need to be praying, and but more than praying, you need to be active in, in imparting the Word of God into their lives. If you're interested in finding out how you can be involved in Kids' Work, see Heather at the end. That wasn't necessarily in the notes, but please, I, I am serious. You know, there we, are a generation that's rising up that has no understanding of the things of Scripture and the things of God. That's been fed in some bits of school and garbage and stuff that's unholy and stuff that's ungodly. And they often, children, and some of our children, will be the only one in their class or in their year that would have faith in Jesus. Or only certainly a handful in their school. We need to be praying and we need to be investing in our, in our kids. Think how you can do that. And Paul reminds Timothy when it all boils down to the important one. See, verse 15 says, and how from infancy you've known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus, and then goes on to say that all scripture is God-breathed, to become wise for salvation, to revel in the rescue, and to never grow tired of reminding yourself through scripture of what you've been saved from, but also what you've been saved to in God of how coming to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, coming to him and saying, Jesus, I'm thankful that you came to earth. Jesus, I'm thankful that you died in my place. Jesus, I'm thankful that by Your power of your blood that I can be forgiven my sin, forgiven my, the things that your, your father's word says are unholy, that I can be forgiven that, forgiven the consequences of a godless eternity in hell, and that I can be free that I can be changed, that I can be pure, that I can be welcomed to your family, that I can be a son, a daughter of God. We all need to praise God for that. We need to remember of what it is to be, to what we've been saved from and also what we've been saved through church. It is all about Jesus. Final thought, you can't be a man or woman of God without being a man and woman of the word. You just can't. You just can't. We need to invest in the inspired word of God. We need to stand on scripture. Please don't be offended, but but we actually, we need to live our lives. I know some cultures, you know, to, to, a Bible on the floor is very disrespectful, but I want to make a point. We need to build our lives firmly on the word of God. We need to build the Bible into our thinking, into our d- decisions. I've said before when I've been preaching, we need to stand on it, but we need to live under it. You know, it's the only ology where, where you're under the microscope and not you putting something under the microscope. We need to build our life into, build the Bible into our thinking, into our decisions, into our lifestyle. And we need to pass on the principles that we learn from the Word of God. Amen, church? Amen. We're going to pray. And I'm just going to ask for a moment of, of, of honesty as we, as we pray as a worship team come back. Because I know it can be difficult to spend that time in the Bible and spend that time investing in the word of God, thinking in the word of God, applying the word of God. It can be a real challenge. And I'm going to ask, if you are going to stand before God and say, Lord, this is hard, but I want to get better at it. I'm going to ask you to stand. Don't stand because Gordon's asked you to stand. Be standing because you're, you're sensing that the Lord is saying, We need to change some things. You're standing because you're saying, I recognize the mess of maybe my life or the mess of the lives of those around about me, the mess of this city, the mess of this world. And and if Scripture's a solution, it needs to start with me and finding out working. So, Father, we come to you right now in moments of honesty sincerity, and of gratitude to you and for your word. And Father, we're asking for your help this morning. We're asking that you would help us to build our lives on your word. And we're asking that you would help us to build our lives your Holy Spirit's help, resting firmly on the foundation of the word. But that it would affect our life. It would affect our lips. It would affect our lifestyle, our behavior, our habits. Lord, we're asking that you would help us through your word to, to grow deeper as passionate followers of our heavenly Father. Son Jesus. Lord we're asking that you would help us to prioritize our time and our, and our thinking so that we might be able to focus on your word to make it the important thing, not another thing that might get squeezed to the margins. Lord we're asking that as we read and study your word that we would discover those treasures, revelatory moments where we become truly alive when we realize how good you are. When we realize that there is a solution to the problem. And Lord, we're asking that as we are inspired through the inspired word of God, that we would do exploits for you. That we would be men and women of God who are thoroughly equipped in every situation of life. Lord, I ask it in Jesus' For anybody who's here today who's never put their trust and faith in Jesus, whose life they may think they've got it in order, well, Lord, I thank you that your word would say there's something more. For any who's never given their life to Jesus, whose life is in a mess, Lord, I thank you that you put broken people back together. And Lord, I pray that before they leave this place today that they will do some business with you. That they will bow their knee that they will surrender their heart, that they will ask for forgiveness from you, Lord God, and put their trust in the risen Savior, Jesus. Amen. Father, we ask these things in and through the precious name of the risen Savior, yeah. our best friend and our brother, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 If you've never given your life to Jesus and you want to find out how you can give your life to Jesus and become a follower of him, I would ask you to, to see Jaziel at the end uh, this morning. If you need prayer ministry, speak to Malcolm, speak to, to Faye, speak to Winifred, um, some of the prayer ministry team will be round about these purple seats. If you need some prayer this morning as we sing our, our final song, come and get some prayer. Um, and for those involved in kids ministry or who would like to be involved in kids ministry, please see Heather, um, who will be up on the sofa uh, at the end. Uh, okay, God bless you. Please, church, come along this evening. Don't sit at home. You'll miss out on a blessing, um, and you'll be inspired.